You have just entered The Royal Access, the show for growth-minded game changers seeking God's direction in their relationships and careers. I'm your host, Coral Pinder, and I'm super excited about growing along with you. Now let's dive in to this episode. Welcome everybody to another episode of The Royal Access. It's your girl, Corel, and I'm excited because we're still in the series Purpose Redefined, and we have another amazing guest who we're going to have the opportunity to hear from and hear more about his story. So before we get into the questions and everything, I always like to ask my guests to tell us a little bit about themselves. Um, not too long, but just a little things that they want you to know. And then if they can remember how we met, if they can remember how we met, like the first time we met, if they can't, it's fine. <laughs> but I want to know. So we have our first guest, our guest today is Jaquay Adderley. So Jaquay, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. So tell us a little bit about yourself and if you can remember how we met. Um, so my name is Chikoy Adli. I'm 29 years old. I'm a Bahamian. Um, I'm an entertainer, entrepreneur, actor, comedian, um, part-time graphic designer, part-time videographer, uh, a daiquiri connoisseur. I love daiquiris. And so much so much more hats. Um, um, live in Nassau, uh, and I love creativity, just being awesome. creative. Awesome. I didn't know you were a part-time graphic designer. Learn something new every day. Part-time. Part-time, part-time. So do you remember how we met? Um, I will assume, I will assume <laughs> we met in Freeport. In Freeport? You, you remember? Maybe, go ahead, maybe, maybe, go ahead, go maybe ahead. It was, maybe it was a stage play, and... We were either in the same stage play or I supported you all so much that we just end up connecting. Maybe. Is that how we? I don't know if it was Freeport. Was were it Freeport? Were we cool when you was in um, Thingham? Um, the Bougies? Yes, because I knew you before Bougies. Okay, so you don't remember. So I knew you before you remember? Bougies. Yes, I feel like I do oh, remember. Lord. So you reached out, oh, was it bougies? I feel like you reached out around like new rules. Anyway, I met you around 2013, 2014 because you used to do these skits. And I, do you remember doing like a skit for a promotion for Simone Gibson? She was doing an event okay. way, way back in the day. So I think that's the first time I was familiar with your, your brand and who you were. I think that was the mm -hmm. first time. But I feel like after that, around so I don't think it, it so I met Simone around the time I did my first way so I feel like 2016 you reached out and said that you could help out and I oh. um I think I assumed that there was a cost associated with it because I'm like who's gonna ask to help out if they're just gonna do it for free and you were like I was like how much does it cost he was like I didn't tell you I was charging or I told you I wanted to help you out and I was like that is so nice so you I feel mean? like that that's not like me that's you. I just, so that, and that was new to me to have someone say like, I'm not trying to hit you up to try to get money from you. I just genuinely like to help people. And I feel like right. I can be of service. And so it was around that time, 2016, 2017. So yeah, so I appreciated you. And that was our first encounter, I think, I believe. That's what I remember. So yeah. <laughs> I will take it. Approved. Approved. <laughs> so Jaquay is one of the most, I will say, one of the most famous comedians in the Bahamas and just uh, an amazing person all around. And this week, as you know, 
we're talking again about purpose redefined. And so our definition for purpose is bringing glory to God by being obedient to the last thing he told you to do. And as you know, the scriptures we've been focusing on is Proverbs 19 and 21. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. There might be things we want to do, but whatever God is instructing us to do is what happens. And then what is God's purpose? Isaiah 43 and 7 tells us, everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory. So it's there that we are created to serve God and for his glory. So when you hear that definition, I want to ask, what is your personal definition? And is it similar? Is it different? Or, you know, how, how is your view on purpose? I hundred I one hundred percent agree with the Bible. One hundred percent I question nothing. Um definitely, most definitely. Um I feel like um it's God's plans that prevails because he, he created you so he know what he sent you here to do. I feel like once you're on earth, you are here for a reason. I feel like you're on assignment. I feel like you aren't here by happen chance. Like you are strategically place here out of all the sperms what was spinning you make it specifically you for a specific it. reason and other, huh yeah i'm agreeing <laughs> and now that you are here you are here for a specific purpose and it is your duty through obedience to to not get distracted and carry out that purpose there's a lot of things you can find to do there's a lot of things that, that can steal your time but once you're tuned into the Holy Spirit and tuned into God, then you'll know what your purpose is. And I feel like that's when you dedicate yourself to, even if you do the other stuff on the side, you dedicate yourself to your purpose because ultimately that is your goal. You know what I mean? And the only person who could really give you that purpose is the person who created you. It's almost like, I guess, someone who created a microwave. Mm-hmm. Tell the microwave, you do the reheat stuff. I don't care if you try to make that green and mess up. I don't care if you do short circuit. I don't care if you try to be a toaster. I created you to be a microwave. But you'll go and you know that once you talk to the manufacturer who created you and the microwave say, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to reheat stuff. <laughs> or an IOTL trying to be a fridge. Five night. Let me go heat up stuff. So, you know, I feel like if you don't walk in the purpose, you probably ain't making I love that. I love that analogy. I'm going to remember that. Like you're trying to be a fridge and you're like, you're you're failing. You're feeling like you're failing as a fridge. You're functioning wrong. (laughs) You see the fridge standing there doing his job and everybody opening and closing them. You're getting all attention. Don't worry. Your time coming. You have a specific duty and you wait for your time to come. I love that. And that's why we can't mimic other people. So, and, and, and uh, like, uh, one of the things that I said about you earlier is you, I feel like you're one of the most, you know, famous comedians in the Bahamas. But one I want to ask you is when was the first time you realized you were funny or do you even think you're funny? Do you think you're funny? Boy, <laughs> so, let me put it like this. Let me put it like this. Yeah. Sometimes I'll be talking to serious and people will be laughing at me. Like I'm having this. Very serious conversation right now. I speaking for my yard, I'm about to cry and do laughing. I remember one time I speaking of yards, I was in a play and I was playing a drunk, a drunk father mm-hmm. who was abusive towards his wife and his kids. And right. I, through the whole thing, I was drunk, I was talking to them bad. I even slapped my son. Let me tell you how when I slap, I wring his head right off and everybody boys out laughing. And I'm like, is abuse funny? Like why yes, people like, laughing? Like, right. But I guess it comes with the character. The, the territory of being 
a comedian. When did I realize I was funny? I guess I'll say it's too defining, too defining things for me. Because I never looked at myself and said, yeah, you're funny. <laughs> um, one would be when you see the amount of likes and shares and stuff on a video that you did, something that you did for comedy, and you right. see, or you see the claps and applause and requests you get, which is my story now, mm. after a performance, after the reviews. Um, and that's the second thing, the reviews from people. Or people message you saying stuff like, boy, I was having a, a down day, but thank God, post that video, you put a smile on my face. Or, boy, mm-hmm. my, I just lost so and so this week, and I was really going through a lot, but you really lighten up my day, brighten up my day. Um, so, you know, people people only laugh if they think it's funny. Right. So from them laughing, putting LOL, sharing it, saying this funny, or telling you and affirming that I'm funny, then I, I just accepted it and said, okay, I guess I'm pretty funny. But I've never looked at myself and said, yeah, but you're funny, but you're, <laughs> you're funny, funny though. <laughs> you're funny though. Do you remember the exact like year? Like, was it like when you were a kid or or just, um, was it, or was it as, as an adult? It was on an it was 2014 when I started my character, Bertram Bubble Up, for those who don't know my alter ego, uh, with a Christmas act all year round. Um, in 2010 was when I got my break, when I joined Collage Entertainment. The Stop Like uh, a Man too. I didn't know and you were I, in Collage. Yeah, or maybe I knew it forgot. Stop Like a Man too. And oh. I was in some other videos. But they, they not only did videos, they did outreach as well. So I was in a lot of the outreach on the church dramas and skits and stuff like that. Okay. Um. So after that, I think they started to die down around 2014. Right. And that's when I that's when I branched off on my own because I was so happy in my element. Acting initially, acting and comedy was an escape for me based on my uh, my past, based on being sheltered, based on my desire to be free. I used that as an excuse to get out of the house. A lot of people didn't know that. Didn't know um, that. I didn't. Because it was I didn't turn to like drugs or partying or anything like that. I just went to acting with this group and that was like my safe place. And I felt safe too. You know what I mean? Mm. So even after um using that as an escape, then they started to die down. I still had that passion to entertain, to go on stage, to to host, um, and stuff like that. And in when I started Bertram Bubbler. And I started hosting events and then the requests start coming through. And then after events, people taking pictures and saying, you were so funny. You had me crying and yada, yada. And you up on stage and you see people crying while you're cracking jokes. Right. You're like, okay, I guess, I guess I'm doing a pretty good job. I did. My, my stuff funny. There you go. I'm funny. And so you said it was an escape. An escape from exactly what? If you come from a sheltered home where you can't go nowhere, mm-hmm. you only go where your mommy lets you go. Um, okay. Not even out to the basketball court with the boys and stuff like that. Um, you start to build up this. Two things can happen. You either become resentful, just go out on your own, mm-hmm. or you just find your way around the system. And that's the route I took. I used the meetings that we had at BFM as mm-hmm. an escape outside the house because I couldn't go to no party, no get-together, no game nights. No, I was very sheltered. So it was an escape from my frustration of not everybody out there posting on 
MSM messenger back then. Number one. Age in yourself. Age in yourself. Right. And on high five and thing, and I won't log up. So I had a desire, and I used that as an escape to experience, to have fun, to take an, to have a childhood, I guess. You know what I mean? Rather than just being home. Understood. So that was where it was escape from. Understood. So you said 2010 felt like a big break for you because that's when you started doing with collage. And in 2014, you went on your own. Yeah. But I know that there were people at events who knew you. It still wasn't quite like as huge as it is now, I would say. So right. what was it like during that waiting season? Did you feel like it was a waiting season or was it like I'm paying my dues and I'm just growing with my comedy? Or did it feel like, no, man, I, I, I supposed to be bigger? Um, it never felt like I supposed to be bigger. It was always a journey, a new journey for me, because believe it or not, growing up as a child, I was very shy, very quiet. And it wasn't until I joined Collage until I really started um, breaking out and learning. But like when you get in certain environments, it starts to culture you, starts to change you, you start to learn from it. And being in a group full of um, clowns, you eventually become a clown yourself. So I guess it started to really show me um, telling jokes, timing, production, and all that stuff. And I, with collage entertainment, I was just moving as they move. I never felt like, wait, I could be bigger than this. I want to go further than this. Because right. um, I never felt in those moments good enough, funny enough. Mm-hmm. Like when Tyrone Burroughs talk, people will laugh. <laughs> I would need lines in order to make people laugh in the early days like he write the script and i say what he write right that's why people laugh not necessarily because i come up with it but because it was in the script so i never felt independently funny already Uh then when i branched off on my own um still at the initial stages i didn't feel funny or effective but i and i never felt like i could be big i could be more that more came from persons around me like boy you could, you know, the generic people, the old people say, you go in Hollywood, right? <laughs> you in Hollywood, you know. I'm like, wait, I don't want to go Hollywood. You know <laughs> what I mean? But I feel like, yes, I could do more. I could um, go more places. And then as I desired, as I thought about it, it started to happen. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a strong desire because I'm like, I don't want to go there and try to be funny and people don't think I'm funny and then. They say this is the stalest by now. So, and then, you know, once they label you, you label for life. Right, 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 right. No matter right. how old you, you could go and come back. If you was yellow, you was yellow for life. If you was Rasta, you was Rasta for life. If you, okay. was, if you, if you was a security guard at the age of 15, <laughs> and you quit when you were 17, you. when you get 30, I still call you secure. You. <laughs> so, um, I never felt like, hey, I could be bigger. When I grow, when I gripped a hold of my purpose, which was to make people laugh, to spread joy, to spread laughter, after the light, then I was more intentional about spreading my light. And as I was more intentional, then my platform grew more and more and more. That's awesome. So what you're trying to say is that you you realize you had a gift, and you, but the confidence in that gift and that talent that God gave you didn't birth intentionality, or it didn't birth you know, movement in the way that it's moving now until you realize right. this is a part of my purpose. So I can't be- That's when I caught fire. Right. 
I can't think I'm not good enough. I can't think that because this is something that God has given me to do something yeah. with it more about me. And that leads into my next question. The fact that you see it took off when you saw that it was more about others and, and not just about me being afraid of, am I funny or am I fun or am I not? Um, one of the things that I realized is even, even though with your comedy, you didn't always realize that there was purpose behind it. You were always a giver. So where do you think that trait comes from, from just being someone who's a giver? To, to pinpoint the exact place that it came from, mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess it was natural. Okay. Because growing up, I was always, uh, if you need help, I got you. If you need something, I got you. Let me share with you. Um, Let's go. I could pay. Mm -hmm. It just was natural to me. I don't right. know what where, where it came from, but it was always me. It was always, it was always not. Yeah. You think it I just like to see people do well. I just like to see people happy or have and if I have and I give you a blessing and I'm able to be a blessing comfortably um then I'll do that um that was just natural that was innate in me and that's good because of the fact that you know it shows that I'm not self-centered it's not all about me that I know that I have to give into others because like you said one of the things that inspired you too is to see that people say, I love what you said you know people call and said I had a rough week and that's the only thing that made me smile or I was going through mm -hmm. grief and that was a thing that light up my face. And so knowing that, you know, when you got wind that it's about those people that I'm giving into, then yep. that's when I realized that I'm walking in purpose. I tell so, people all the time and they say, oh, boy, you did get a, so, such a good job. I say, I don't this for you all, you know, <laughs> I literally waking up, putting on clothes, ironing, bathing, brushing my teeth, getting ready, putting on this Christmas hat and these two marching shoes for y'all. Yeah, but y'all, because if I didn't, if it was for the money, I would have just do it and go. But it was more than the money, you right? Know what I mean, I just wanted people to laugh and feel good, forget about what they're dealing with, um, put a smile on their face, give them a moment of healing because laughter heals, laughter mm -hmm. heals spiritually, emotionally, and physically. So once I, once I got an understanding of my gift and my purpose, it took me on a whole different route of intentionality. And, and, and drive. That's good. So for you, when did you discover your relationship with God? From, from birth. My from mommy birth. grew up in church. I was, I was in church from I was in the womb. I was in church before I was a thought. Um, so I grew up in a church. So I grew, I grew up um, with a relationship with God. Um, the traditional way. Um, right. When I got older. It wasn't until 2018 mm -hmm. that I, it was a bit, 2018 was a big shift for me. I left my job and I left my church. Oh, wow. Because, because God was just talking to me so much in terms of shifting me because of mm -hmm. where he wants to take me. And I remember right. specifically when it comes to church. I remember one day I was to work and I said I was going to my church. I was going to work and um, I was hearing teachings about building relationship with God, finding church for yourself, finding God for yourself, not relying on what's going on in the church or your pastor. So worshiping your pastor, seek God for yourself. Um, right. That's what I was um, to really coming into the understanding of my purpose and who I am and what I'm destined to do and how powerful what I do is aside from just 
people are kiki key and you're literally healing people out there. You're literally causing people to forget. You're literally turning people's lives and days around. So there was a whole turning point for me and for church specifically on my relationship with God. I started to seek him more because I really wanted to please him with what I do. And I mm-hmm. wanted to make sure it was pure. And I was to work one day and a lady said, what churches go to? And I told her, and she's like, oh, you you ever thought about like visiting another church and stuff? And first I was looking at her like, for what? <laughs> why? <laughs> my church is like, my church? You, you want me to come to your church or something like that? Like, she's like, uh-uh, it's just like, you grow in different places. Like she started talking to me, you grow in different places, different um, arenas, give you different exposure, different level of teachings and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So that went by. Then on a Sunday, I was, while the preacher was on, I was outside across the road getting snacks, right? Right. And then I never used to really take it 100% serious. I was out there getting snacks and a lady pulled up, who was go to Mount Table? or used to, uh, my old church. And they pulled up and said, boy, I haven't seen this in so long. What you saying? I said, right, your man. She said, you still let's go to the Mount Tabor? And I look at the church like, so you want to see me? Right here then. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, I thought, I thought you was go to so-and-so. I was like, why would you think I was go to that church? She said, I don't know. I just see you there. And I was like, and I looking at her like, why would you see me there? You know, all my life I go to this church. Right, so anyway, right, right. we had that conversation, boom. Then I did a project um, around this time. This when all the churches were starting the conversation about the duns. The duns, the people who were done with church, who wasn't coming to church, who were church hurt. People who didn't see the significance or uh, why they need to come to church. The people who were where the pastors were given the church a different name. So they just was done with church and right. the conversation about these people. And I guess reaching out to these people was happening. So I did a video on it that caught, it went viral and caught a lot of flack, caught a lot of backlash from churches. Um, and I had a gentleman, um, I had a gentleman who acted in it and he, he, he acted as the pastor. He right. was a pastor for real, but he was in a traditional pastor. Okay. And after I did that video, fast forward that weekend, I did a, all this happening back to back. That weekend, I hosted an event. One of the ministers, I, I went outside after the event to leave. And one of the ministers who sang walked outside and she was walking past me. I said, good afternoon. She said, good afternoon. She walked past me down the last step and she turned around. She said, what church is go to? So I was like, let's go to on the table. Right. She's like, Hmm. And then she started prophesying. She said, I feel like God is calling you to a different space because where he wants to take you, um, you need more maturing and he wants to and she just started um, prophesying. I don't know this woman from a canopy, but she literally was prophesying and the main thing of her message was you're about to leave your church. And even in that moment, I'm like, Where are all these people trying to send me? A few weeks after that, the same guy who acted in my video as the pastor that went viral, he said, let's meet up, man. Now, I'm not an open book. I'm not a person to just blurt out everything that's going on with me, right? 
we met in Starbucks and he's like, how are you? I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know this man like that. I don't know why. But when I opened up my mouth about 15 minutes later, I didn't tell him my story, my frustrations, where I want to be, where I want to go, what I'm doing right now. This man only asked me one question and I talked for 15 minutes. At the end of that, he said, come visit my, my church. Um, this is the kind of culture we build. Just check it out. And right. I went and I checked it out and I started attending the church. So literally what they saw happening happened. Happened. And I started to grow more. I started to learn more. The environment was different. It was more personable. It was one-on-one. Right. Um, some of the stuff I wasn't grasping at the old church, I was really diving into at the new church. And that's where my relationship with God um, really started to, to voice, like for real, for real. It grew. Wow, that's amazing. And you still go to that church to this day? No, but... um. <laughs> But it was what you needed in the moment. It was it was exactly what I needed and what I didn't know I needed. Because mm-hmm. when they did stuff like inner healing sessions where things that were troubling you from the past and getting to the root of um bad habits and root of hurts and stuff like that. And that changed my life. Like I needed that in that moment. Mm. So what I needed in that season, I got. You got that in that season, which is amazing. And so being yeah. obedient to, to hearing the next steps that God wants to take you. And so was it during that time when you left the job? Like what gave you the confidence? Because, you know, and I use I, I have a similar story because I was on a, a, a was it you worked for the government, right? Because I remember coming there. You remember when I came there? To the port? To the. Yeah, we you, yeah, were, in, was- you were in one of my plays. I feel like it was which when in 2018 did you leave your job? February. February. So maybe it was bougies. So maybe it was keeping up. With I was the in bougies. I was uh, extra. In bougies, you was the guy. Yes, vote um the the politician. Yeah. <laughs> so when we okay. came to rehearse for that in 2017, I came to your job, and in the next year you left. Yeah. So what what gave you the confidence? And I'm too, but been in the secure job and left the security of the job but I didn't go right into entrepreneurship. So that's, that's brave. I went into a private sector that I thought was going to be a secure job and God say, Oh, six months later, you got no job. You go, do <laughs> but you, you, you made the full, and that's because I think God knew that I was too scary to make the full leap, but you made the full leap. Like you left the security and made the full leap. So what was it? Um, was it that time when you were going to that church? What, what was it that made you feel like I got to go? It was, full, full. It, was a, it was that time I was going to that church, but that was in the, driving force actually i think that did have that did have a um, part to play but persons normally say when you realize that you're frustrated in that area in your life you need to pay attention to that area because either something there is troubling you or you need to leave from that area i've been on my job for five years no complaints i was the only security officer oh yeah that's the only security you know i bony so what i could secure right if they put, if they blow on me, I fall land, right? <laughs> so it was five years. I was the only security officer that was inside on the computer. Everyone else is out in the hot sun documenting um, trailers and trucks and cars and stuff like that and doing different security jobs, securing checkpoints on the port. But luckily I was able to land. But they created, they created a section on the job just for me to mm. do because they found that I had um, computer skills. Okay. So after that little blessing, 
I was good. I was making money. And the part was making probably the most weekly than 80% of the jobs in Nassau. So we was kind of proud and happy to be a part of that for what right. we was making weekly and the benefits were tied to it. I wasn't going to let that job go. Plus, I'm comfortable. Plus, I'm in a little room in AC by myself. You are. Yeah, you were. With, was... with my own key, I good. I scrape. But around that same time, frustration started to come over me. I'm like, wait, why am I sitting here? Because I used to be on the people job doing my own work, editing my own videos, editing right. videos for my group on Authorbox, um, mm-hmm. doing, trying to build websites, um, just finding other stuff to do rather than just sitting there stamping paper and, pre- and making ideas. Mm-hmm. So um, I realized I caught myself doing more of what I wanted to do personally on the side, sneaking, doing my own stuff than actually doing, I said I was doing that work. But as soon as people leave my window, I dive straight into my own work. Right. And then at some point it started to become frustrating. Waking up to go to work was frustrating. Sitting in there for eight hours was frustrating. Coming back from lunch was frustrating. And nothing was uncomfortable for me. I just started to become frustrated. So I talked to my boss about it. And then at the time, and that's when he started to shed light on that same thing I told you when you either something need to change right. or you need to move. Right. So I remember my boss at the time. Now my boss got me that job and I he, he was always like a big brother to me on the job. Like he look out for me. So I told him if he leave the job, I leave him too. Cause you basically, you know, you got me, you got my back. Right. I remember during that phase of frustration. We did a, a performance assessment to see if they just could give us a little raise and a little pay, you see? A little raise. <laughs> so we did a performance assessment. And when I was talking to him, or when he's telling me about my performance, I randomly asked him, I say, when when you leaving, he said he ain't sure, but he feel like he won't retire so he won't go in the water and just go fishing and stuff. I say, boy, when you leave and let me go, don't forget. I mean, let me know. Don't forget. I tell you, when you leave, I leave. And I'm very serious with that. I stay serious. Right. So fast forward to about a week later, I messaged him. I said, hey, I think my time up. He said, what? Why you think so? I said, I just feel frustrated. I feel this longing to just go out and do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to be disobedient to the voice. He's like, okay. Well, I understand that um, don't be disobedient to God. I said, okay, cool. I draft up a resignation letter and I sent it to him. Two days before I, my resignation date, he called me. He's like, you sure you want to do this? What you going to do? I said, I'm sure. One day before, he's like, hey, you sure you want me to tear this up? I don't have to send this in. Um, you, you found another job or something yet? I said, no, sir. He said, so what you going to do? I said, I don't know, but I just feel like I need to leave. Right. He was like, I understand it, but before five o'clock hit, if you change your mind, call me. I said, okay. Five o'clock, I pick up my stuff and I go home. So that Friday, show up. I know that's my last day. Um, the CEO of the company, who, who, who really is talk to you? He walked past me and he said, hey, Jaguay, I heard you leaving. I said, yes, sir. He said, what you going to do? My heart dropped because I'm like, at least I want to look a little presentable in front of the CEO. Tell him I have these big plans. I'm going to open one, look, 
one hotel or some one some yachting system or something. <laughs> I said, sir, honestly, I don't know. And he paused and he looked at me like, okay. He said, well, whatever you do, um, good luck in that. I said, thank you, sir. And I left. Um, but that was around the time I knew I had to go. So I left in fear. I was uncomfortable. I left in fear, not knowing, but I knew God was pushing me to leave. Still wasn't sure what I was going to do. Still didn't know if I had to go look for another job. Right. But I still was obedient and I still left. Even the people was like, hey, you don't have to leave. Find a job first, then leave. Right. I still was obedient. Do you know that one week, literally seven days after I left, my supervisor at the time was my good friend. I called to check on her. And she's like, you know, boss leave. And I said, what? So yeah, he resigned. I said, well, what a second. So even if I was disobedient, didn't leave that Friday, I right. still was scared of leaving when he leave. So right. it was still in timing. It was all timing. It was still in timing. It was timing. And, and, and God has sustained you ever since. You've not gone back to a full-time job since. Um, from on God, as God is the head of my life and this world and this universe and the galaxy, from my walk off that job that Friday afternoon to present day right now, sitting here in Haba Island, San, talking to you. You are and on the beach. I have not seen a slow day since. Oh, my bank account has never been on zero. I've never been where I was struggling. I've always been blessed. Opportunities have always been there. And every year it gets bigger and bigger. It and does. Bigger. It does. It felt like, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know if the timeline, but it felt like when was, when was the first time you had a viral video? Like when did it really take off? Turn off dread. Right. So when was current off? I knew it. When was current off dread? 2018. I think it's 2018. Current off dread. That was that was that wasn't too long after I left my job. That went viral. Then Cable Bahamas brought me on to do some stuff with them. That was my first big gig. Right. Cable Bahamas. Then all kind of all kind of businesses started reaching out to me. Um, so it was a momentum from there, like the level of businesses, um, that was reaching out and stuff like that. Then becoming part of stage plays with Dynamite Daisy. Mm. Then write my own stage play. And I didn't, I didn't even do it now. So I do it now. But go. There you go. So, um, after, I think after current off dread was when a lot of persons yeah. started wearing my name. Right. Cause I knew about you before current off dread, obviously from 2014. Oh. And then we worked together years before that. Oh. But. Current off dread is when most people kind of <laughs> the whole Bahamas, people in the states and all were singing that. That's when, and like you said, and I want you to go back and look for the date, but it definitely was in 2018. But you left February 2018. So it had to be sometime during that time. So it was just God was waiting I think on it was around that summertime. God was waiting on your obedience. And so yeah. when, when we think about purpose redefined, it's you know, you know, funny enough that purpose will find you. Purpose will find you and, and it'll chase you down. And it, it did. And one of the things that I want to speak to that I want people to remember before I ask um, a few more questions that I had was the fact that you were on a job and you were content and you did what you had to do during that time. And then when it was time to leave, God gave you the instruction. Because I think so many times in our culture, we see a lot of young people. You're like, yeah, Jaquay, leave. I'm going to leave too. Listen, if Jesus ain't yeah, telling you. I tell people don't do that. 
Is that the, is that defined? I tell people, even with me right now, I have streams of income. Right. So even if something go low, I could bounce on something else, right? right? A lot of persons just try to follow fashion now. They see other people making strides on their own and they feel like, okay, I could do that too. And then they are there struggling, they are there fighting. And it's like, did God tell you leave? Are you even in tune with God to find out what he wants for you right now? Because maybe he wants you on a job to take you, to give you an opportunity or to meet a certain person or to just keep you stable to provide for you and your family uh, right now. And he secured that job for you. But you see other people out there doing their own thing. So you won't go, you won't go mimic them. Put yourself in a hole now. You're struggling to get $2. You know what I mean? Like, what is your purpose? What you supposed to be doing? Right. And so that's why I said purpose is obedience to God, because you cannot be the fridge. I love that analogy. You trying to be the fridge. Why? Why it ain't working? Because you are microwave and it's not that time yet. It's not right. that time. <laughs> you want to migrate. So um, so I can assume that you've never regretted that decision. But were there any hard moments during the time? Did you receive any like hard times during this journey? Like you had the peak turn off right? Everybody know you know. But did you <laughs> did you experience any hard moments like, oh, this is a hard. Um, my hardest moments was at the beginning of me branching off by myself in 2014. Mm. The first gig I did in front of a bunch of pastors and church people in Hilton Hotel. Uh-huh. For 10 minutes I was on stage, no one laughed. And you know, 10 minutes long, right? Okay, a minute is long. <laughs> 10 minutes, I was cracking my jokes that I prepared. And all I could hear was the little soup glass um, singing. <laughs> People sleeping and people drinking. But didn't even nobody give you a little pity laugh? Like <laughs> No, I didn't. I got one or two little pity <laughs> and that was it. But to say like strong laughter like this, but funny. That was the most discouraging day of my life when it came to my career. Right. But I didn't give up. That's awesome. Um, even when I hosted my first comedy show. Six people came to my first one and 20 people came to my second one. Talk numbers, talk numbers. Mm -hmm. But my third one, because I didn't give up, my third and my third and fourth one was sold out. And my third one, I had an international guest and all. Look, yeah. But I love I love when people say that because people see people who are famous and they're like, oh, let me do what they do. Oh, let me do what they do. No, like you're going to have to start with the six people. I started with six people and I had a two hour event with six people. <laughs> Legit. I had a two hour event with six people. People, they don't even want to go live because they're like, oh, only one person watching or zero people watching. You didn't put no investment in that. Imagine the people who book a place out, do the tickets, advertise, spend money Mom, doing it. Six people six come. People and you mad because one person watching you live that you do for free. When I say discourage, discourage. So these people who who just want success overnight and things like that, I, I don't understand. I don't understand it. I don't yeah. understand it. But I feel like your journey is tailored to you. Those down moments, instead of discouraging me, ultimately they gave me this, this push like, hey, try it again, but try it this way. Right. Try it again, but try it this way. Yeah. And like I said, my third and fourth show sold out and we had a blast there like that was so good so i didn't give up that was the hardest moments for me and then i guess a a a, a realistic okay. mm-hmm. a realistic consistent hard moment i have momentarily 
is when I get tired. Mm. When I am so tired that I am not even in the mood to serve, to like touch a mic and make people smile and be happy. But then I just have to put self aside and remember the for me yeah. and do it for the, the purpose of why I'm doing it. Because I'm yeah. the one who pick up the extra stuff. I out here doing graphics and um, um, helping this one with a project and I buy cameras. So I helping this one shoot this. And uh, it's my turn to go host an event and I tired. Right. I drain. So I do that to myself. So I start to put myself on the side. You do that to yourself. This what you call to do. You better put that aside. And do what you call it, do you? Exactly. This is your calling. If you say you want to do all them at the same time, then you make it happen. So I have another question for you. You tend to keep your personal life and your image as a comedian um, separate. Is that a conscious decision? And if so, why do you make that decision? And it it reminds me of some celebrities when it's like, you never talk about your personal life. Oh, no, I don't. I plan to. So like for you, like, is that a conscious decision or did it just kind of happen that you kind of, I'm Jaquay the comedian and that's who you know? Um, it's 50, 50, it's 60, 40, it's 60% intentional, 40% because okay. I just don't, like I said, I don't just open up to people. Mm. Um, I do it to protect, to protect and enjoy what I have because like- when you see the culture and tendencies of people around you to pull your card, pull your file, to mm. come up with, with schemes and come up with, um, negativity towards you for no reason out of jealousy or just because you're in the limelight. There are people who literally throw stones at you just because you're in the limelight. Mm-hmm. I know I, people sometimes are former prime ministers. They ain't even prime minister no more. But until they need their grave, people who didn't like them will never like them just because they were either prime minister or they was a part of a certain political party. And just because you're a prime minister or in the limelight, people will highlight you and look for your flaws because a lot of people like to highlight other people's flaws to hide what they're going through. You know what I mean? Right, so, right, right. but come after me, come after me. You don't really know nothing or no one else that you could attack. If you right. would come after, come after me. So I think 60% is intentional where I just want to enjoy what I have. And then also I want to separate the different aspects of my life. When I'm on stage and I'm making people laugh when I be in that square, Bertram, let me be that. But when I get off stage, I need time to, to heal. When I need time to um, be true to my emotions. When I need time of peace. When I need time to, to learn. When I need time of just tranquility. I want to be able to get that. You know what I mean? So I yeah. keep it just so I could enjoy. I have a stage in front of the camera and on stage. Uh, uh, I have an image on stage in front of the camera. But when I turn them off or when I put the mic down, I want to be able to enjoy life and not have to worry about who watching, who talking bad about, who assuming, because people can assume regardless. Right, right, right. They assuming. So it's, it's a little bit intentional and it's just a little bit of how I grew up because my mommy is very private. So okay. I just naturally just took that on. Just naturally that. But I, I think what I think one of the things that is good about it is one, we have to respect, you know, the different places or personalities or the kind of, you know, mindset that different people have, because if you say, oh, when people are celebrities and they're known, everybody knows this about them. Everybody sees their family pictures. Everybody sees when they go on a trip with their significant other. Everybody sees when they, but if you're like, in order for me to function well, when I host, in order for me to function well, when I do a show, 
I need to block out that negativity. I need to have energy. And if I allow people into that inner space, that's going to take away from my energy. So I cannot mimic other people. I have to do what's going to help me to fuel and walk into purpose with the energy that I need to. Go ahead. You, yep. you... Social media has been, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of forced people, dying the word, um, influence people that they have to put out a specific image. Yeah. Out so now you're being fake. Can't, you can't be, you can't have that real, like social media kind of makes people, oh, we wear matching clothes and be happy, be good. Um, family goals. And then when you turn off the camera, you're all fighting, you're all punching up each other, you're all sleeping in the same bed and stuff like that. So like, just eliminate being fake. Right. But I have days are bad. I could be dealing with that. I don't have to, I don't have to, the pressure of putting on an image for people or trying right. to please people when I could just let um, my light shine naturally. This is That's how, yeah, um, this is what I do. And a kiki kiki kiki. Yeah, and not having to overthink too. Like, oh, we're not doing good, but we ain't post a picture of us in a long time. So I'm going to need to post a picture. Or right. nobody knows this aspect. So I, I'm going to need to show them that. All right. So this is the last question I have for you. What advice would you give to those who have a platform or long for a platform when it comes to remaining grounded in the process? Because I do feel like you're very humble about the level that you've been able to reach and the things you've been able to do and the people you've been able to impact. But sometimes people are just so hungry for a platform. Um, so what advice would you give people to remain grounded as we close this interview? You said it just now, just humility, just remaining humble. Um, I feel like if you never tell yourself you arrived, then you always, in the back of your mind, know there's more that you can reach, number right. one. Number two, if you genuinely serve in your gift, blessings are going to come, doors are going to open, and people are going to honor you. You don't have to seek it. You don't have to force it out of people or force it for yourself. Um, and that's just in my nature. I, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to be on the stage a lot, in front of camera a lot, but I don't, I don't do it for attention. Uh, I, and to make some money. Um, right. <laughs> let's, let's don't forget that part. And um, some money. But um, I always remain humble. And then what I do, I don't work. I, I, I wake up every day and I walk in my passion. Mm. So walking in my passion, you know, you can't be boastful. You can't be pompous you can't be like oh, i the best out there you when you're walking in purpose you're doing it because you love it you're doing it because it's serving a purpose so it kind of eliminates you from feeling like oh i the best i in a competition with this one or that one no when you focus on purpose you're focused on get the job done right. not necessarily who's who's affirming you not necessarily how much views you have not necessarily um, what people got to say but you who you're in competition with once God getting the glory at the end of the day Amen. once you feel happy at the end of the day mm-hmm. once you are at peace at the end of the day then you're good there you so go. stay humble humility is so big it, yeah and I think I think that's what I love what you said in terms of you know don't get caught up on the last thing that you did and feel like, okay, well, I'm so amazing because I did this. There's always more. And if you, we serve a very big God. And so if I am only doing this in purpose because God told me to do it, 
then there is always more for him um, for me to do because he's fueling me to do those other things. So when I know that and that's how I'm moving, I'm not going to get like, oh, I'm amazing. I'm not amazing. I'm doing it for his glory because he told me to do because you could have a gift. But as you saw, the gift did not take off until you walked in full obedience to what he was calling you to do. Exactly. And so it's funny enough that purpose will find you. Thank you so much, Jaquay. I really enjoyed having you on, chilling with us on the beach. Thank you for giving us hour of your time while you're on the beach. <laughs> beautiful, 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 beautiful Bahamas. <laughs> you guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Royal Access. This was Jaquay Adderley. And funny enough, purpose will find you. This is Purpose Redefined series. We hope that you will join us next week where we'll be talking once again with another guest about purpose redefined please leave a rating or review you can just scroll down go to those five stars and before we end i'm just gonna let jaquay tell you how you could connect with him and watch all of his funny videos tell him where to find you jaquay listen let me tell you something you almost see something jokey just go on youtube and type in das Quay, d-a-s-q-u-a-y or facebook type in das Quay, d-a-s-q-u-a-y or tiktok i even on tiktok too TikTok. videos tiktok on instagram um I'm I'm doing a lot of stuff. I'm doing even more stuff that's coming up that nice. you are definitely going to enjoy. So if you want to watch all my stuff, just type Dasky wherever. High five, bear share, lime wire, MySpace, all them. That's great. No matter which one. So thanks, so guys, for tuning in. We can't wait to see you next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Royal Access Podcast. Be sure to learn more about how to connect with us in the show notes below. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend. We would also love for you to consider leaving a rating or a review. Until next time, I'm Corel Pinder, your truth-telling accountability partner.